Come on. If you're able to stand with me, let's stand and pray together. Father, we worship you. Come on, let's pray together. Father, we worship you. Lord, we thank you that we, our name, my name, <laughs> whoo, my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. My name is recorded in heaven. Thank you, Jesus, that by the blood of, <laughs> whoo, the blood that was shed on Calvary. <laughs> yes, my name, thank you, Jesus, is written, written down, recorded for all eternity. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, speak to our hearts today. Speak to my heart. Speak to my life, Lord. Change me. Change me in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. <clears throat> Why don't you grab your Bibles this morning? Let me see your Bibles, your devices, whatever you're using to access the Word of God. Let me see it. Wave it at me. Amen. Amen. Good to see your Bibles. I, you know, since we've done this, I've noticed an uptick in the number of actual Bibles in the sanctuary. That it's not just devices. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep challenging you to get yourself a Bible. And, uh, you know, it's good, to have, it's good to have the Bible on your phone or your device. But get yourself a good study Bible and use it. Amen? I said get yourself a good study Bible and use it. I almost, uh, <laughs> Let me try one more time. Get yourself a study Bible and use it. Yeah. Amen. Yeah, that should be an emphatic amen. Use your Bible. Don't just take what you hear on Sunday mornings and go home and say, well, pastor said, it's good that you hear what pastor said, but you need to hear what God says in his word for yourself. Amen. Go take, go take your sermon notes that you're taking while I preach. Come on now. Go take <laughs> I know that's a stretch now. Now I'm really stretching it. Take take those notes and go home during the week and meditate on those things. Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can go to Mark chapter one. <clears throat> Mark chapter one. We're gonna continue our series today on the miracles of Jesus. Today we're gonna take a look at the fourth recorded miracle of Jesus. We know that there are many other miracles that he did, but this would be the fourth recorded miracle that he performed. Um, while you're turning there, I want to let you know that next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to be praying for families in service. The beginning of the year, the Lord really challenged us to pray for families on a regular basis. And we've seen a lot of, a lot of miracles happen in families, a lot of great uh, just even even last week, another just great story. Um, this week in the office, I mean, story after story of the provision of God, miracles of God. And so I just want to uh, encourage you, be here Sunday, July 3rd. Everybody say July 3rd. The tendency is to go out of town and miss July, you know, all those things. And I, I'm going to tell you, just scrap your plans because this is going to be more important <laughs> that you're here to receive prayer. If you know someone that is having family difficulties, relational issues, whatever it is, get them, get yourself in the house of the Lord next week. We want to take time and, and we'll take as long as we need. If there's as many people as there are to say, I, I'm having family struggles, I'm believing for a breakthrough, miracle, whatever it is, Next Sunday, we're going to be taking time, extended time, to pray for family. So I want you to be here. Um, I, I am uh, 
This is, this is actually something the Lord put on my heart this morning very emphatically to do next Sunday. So I'm, I'm asking you to join with me in this next week. And I'm also asking our pastoral team, our church board, our elders to come ready to lay hands on folks, prophesy over people, pray for people, and see what the Lord's going to do. Amen? So if you know anyone that's believing for a breakthrough in their families next Sunday, everybody got it? Amen. All right, Mark chapter 1. This story is the recording, uh, the healing of Peter's mother-in-law and then the healing of the crowds. You can find the account of this in Matthew chapter 8 and Mark chapter 1, which is where we're at today in Luke chapter 4. So three of the gospel writers record this. And uh, there's not much given here about the healing of Peter's mother-in-law, but it's important. And I want to dive into this this morning. So in Mark chapter 1, in verse 29 is where we're going to pick up. It says, Now as soon as they had come out of the synagogue, they entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick with fever, and they told him about her at once. So he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her, and she served them. At evening, when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. Then he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he did not allow the demons to speak because they knew him. And then in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and when they found him, they said to him, everyone is looking for you, but he said to them, let us go into the next towns that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. I want to go through, kind of give you the, the story of what's happened here. It's pretty simple, but... But Jesus has just come out of the synagogue. If you remember last week, we took a look at Jesus ministering in the synagogue. Prior to that, prior to coming to Capernaum, he had been in Galilee. And he was actually in Cana. And then he comes to Galilee while he was, or he comes to Capernaum. While he was in Galilee, the noblemen of Capernaum came to him and asked him to heal his son. Remember, the son was dying with a fever at home. They were Capernaum and Galilee are about 15 miles apart. And Jesus looked at the nobleman and said, go, your son lives. And the nobleman was on his way home and he gets word from messengers from his house that his son was healed, that he had been healed of the fever, that he was no longer dying. And Jesus comes to Capernaum where the nobleman was from. And he goes into the synagogue on the Sabbath, which Luke tells us was Jesus' custom. Jesus was accustomed to going to church. He went to church on the Sabbath. Jesus was a church goer. Okay, I just I want to emphasize that. I know you're here on Sunday morning. You're here at church. But just I, I want to emphasize that again. Jesus went to church. Amen. And he found himself there at the church on the Sabbath, and he was teaching, and the people were amazed with the authority with which he taught. And in the middle of teaching, he's expounding on the scriptures, telling them, explaining to them who he is, the word made manifest, the word made flesh in front of them. And while he's teaching, in through the back door burst a man who's demon-possessed, comes running through the door and screams and cries out, 
And Jesus rebukes the devil and sets the man free. How many of you remember the story from last week? So we pick up the story. Jesus has left church. It's probably 2 o'clock, 3, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Don't start singing a song. And he, he leaves church, right? He leaves church. So you get that when you get home. He leaves church, and he wants to go home. He's not going to Bob Evans, by the way. I haven't made any wisecracks about Bob Evans lately, so i got to you know, insert it where I can. He's not going to Bob Evans. He's going over to Peter's house for the roast. I mean, you know, you know remember the good old days where you, before you leave church, maybe, maybe you still do that. You put the roast in the crock pot before you leave for church. Anybody remember? Nobody? Okay, goodness. Anyway, you put one in this morning. Okay, I'm coming over. So, you, you know, he's going over to Peter's house for the roast. And they get over to Peter's house, and he's looking to just kind of be in a quiet space after ministering to the crowds and teaching. He's looking to just get into Peter's house and sit down for a moment and relax. And then he walks into the home, and the first thing they tell him is, Hey, by the way, Mama's in there sick. She's got a fever. She's in there laying down. She can't get out of bed. Mother-in-law is sick. She can't get out of bed. And Jesus, what does he do? He goes over to her and takes her by the hand and tells her to get up. Lifts her up out of the bed and she's made whole. Amen. Well, word spread pretty quickly that Peter's mother-in-law was healed. And by evening... Now, I want you to think about this. They, were, they had gone, Jesus had gone home, gone to Peter's home to eat lunch and relax. And by evening, word had spread that Jesus was at Peter's house and the mother-in-law had been healed. Somebody, was, somebody leaked the information. One of the disciples, one of the people that were in the house leaked the information that Jesus was there and Peter's mother-in-law just got healed. And so the testimony about the demon-possessed man and the testimony about the nobleman's son and the testimony about what happened at the Jerusalem Passover feast and all that was happening was spreading around town and the whole town of Capernaum came to Peter's house. Can you imagine going home this afternoon for lunch, taking an afternoon nap and waking up to the whole city of Stowe or Akron or the Falls or wherever you live gathered outside your house? And they all want something from you. They've all gathered because they want something. They want you to heal them. And the Bible says that they brought all of their sick and all of their demon-possessed <laughs> these, these were the best of the best, right? These were the healthiest, the strongest, the wisest, the best. Of the, all said, No, no. These were the demon-possessed, the insane, the sick, the infirmed, the people who couldn't walk, the people who were diseased, all sitting outside of Peter's house. I remember, you know, when we first started Night of Hope, many of you remember uh, the outreach prior to COVID that we were doing and all the things that were happening. And I remember someone telling me, I, I'll never forget this, actually. Um, someone of influence in the church said, we don't want those people. I want a sophisticated church. 
well, you know, that had to work its way into my sermon the next week. And I, you know, I think I may have said, I hope a drunk person comes and sits right by you in service if that if you say those kinds of things. But uh, anyway, I get, you know, the reason I say all that, I, I have to get back on track. The reason that I say that is because these were not the people that the sophisticated church wanted. These were not the people that the religious leaders wanted. These were not the people. These were not your good old boys. This wasn't the everyday kind of people that you wanted hanging out in front of your house. When you, you wouldn't want, if you were going to have a party, these were not the invited ones. These were the sick, the oppressed, the depressed, and the possessed, the controlled by demons. These were the, these were the people that were broken and hurting. And they had all gathered outside Peter's house because they were desperate for a miracle. They were desperate for Jesus to change their life. I don't know if there's anybody this morning that's come desperate for Jesus to change your life. Maybe you're tired of the status quo. Maybe you're tired of the everyday, the mundane. Maybe you're tired of the depression and the discouragement and the fear and the worry and all the stuff. Jesus has walked into your house, into this house today, and he's ready to work a miracle in your life. Jesus was not put off by the crowds. Jesus was not put off by the mother-in-law who was laying in bed sick. Jesus healed them and brought them to perfect health. And Jesus wants to do the same in your life today. Jesus had walked into the house that day. Maybe, maybe they had heard the testimony about the nobleman's son. Maybe, maybe Peter was there and he was watching when the nobleman's son got resurrected from the death bed. Maybe, maybe he heard the story when Jesus said, go and, and your son lives. Maybe he heard the, the story that the man had lived. Maybe the mother-in-law heard the testimony. Maybe they heard the story about the demon-possessed man. Maybe that mother-in-law, even though she was sick, laying in bed, she couldn't make it to church that day. And I just want to pause for a moment and say, maybe there's someone online watching this morning and you haven't made it to church today, but the testimony of Jesus is still the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus, the testimony of his healing power, the testimony of his resurrection life can touch you right where you're at right now. Whether you're sick in your bed, whether you're infirmed on the couch, whether you're tormented in your mind, Jesus, Jesus, the resurrected one, can still resurrect you today. The testament, this, this woman was laying sick on our bed, but Jesus still walked into that room and grabbed her by the hand. Maybe you find yourself today without strength. Maybe you're here in this building. Maybe you're listening to this message online or through the podcast or however you're tuning in and you're depressed and you're discouraged. You feel fearful. You feel alone. You feel like no one understands. You're laying in the bed. You're laying all by yourself. Everybody else has gone on about their business. Everyone else has gone on about their thing. But you're still sick. You're still dying. You still have a fever that's controlling your life. No one knows how to help you in your situation. Maybe you feel like you're all alone. And nobody understands. And nobody knows how to help you where you're at. 
I have good news for you. Jesus knows where you're at. Jesus said that he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. David said in Psalms 27, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You might be sick and in bed. You might be depressed and discouraged. You might be at the point where you say, I, I'm at the point of losing hope. There's no point in continuing. There's no point in going on. David said, I would have lost all hope unless, unless, unless I had believed, unless I had believed. What do you believe this morning? Do you believe that he's able? Do you believe that he can sustain you? Do you believe that Jesus is still seated on the throne, ruling and reigning over all things by the word of his power? Do you believe that he's able to sustain your life? What do you believe this morning? You see, you can believe the, the, the situation around you is hopeless. You can believe that your family situation is broken and beyond repair. You can believe that, that the situation that you're facing, that you're going through, that there's no hope. But Jesus, unless I had believed, what do you believe today? You see, really, at the end of the day, it's all about what you believe. At the end of the day, it's really about what you believe and how you live your life based on what you believe. You can believe. You can have a head knowledge today. You can have an understanding that Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You can have an understanding with your mind that you're to worship Him. You can have an understanding with your mind that He's all-powerful. You can have an understanding that we go to church because it's the right thing to do. You can have all the understanding with your mind, but have no belief. It's got to move from your head to your heart. There has to be a revelation of the goodness of God in your life. And can I tell you that that revelation comes as you worship him. The revelation of his goodness. David, in the middle of despair, in one of his worst moments, cries out, Search me, O God, know my heart. And what does he say? Take not your Holy Spirit from me. In the middle of one of the worst seasons of his life, he asked God, What one thing? I'll worship you. Take not your spirit from me. I'll worship you. Don't take your presence from me. You see, when you step into his presence, hopelessness is transformed. The anchor of your hope steps into your hopelessness and secures you and roots you to the moorings of what you believe and who Christ is. I believe that he's able. I believe that he's my healer. I believe that he's my deliverer. I believe that he's my soon coming king. I believe that he'll never leave me or forsake me. I believe that he's called me his own. I believe that he's made room for me to sit in heavenly places with him. I believe that he's opened up the door for every spiritual blessing. He's made available to me and accessible to me every spiritual blessing. I believe that he's given me freely of divine wisdom. Because I lack it and I need it. He's given to me divine wisdom abundantly, lavishly. I believe that everything that I have need of, he shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I believe. 
Because I believe doesn't change who he is, but because who he is changes who I am. And my beliefs are formed and rooted in who he is. I believe. Unless I had believed. David said in Psalm 27, unless I had believed that I would see. What did David believe? That I would see the goodness of the Lord. David believed I would see. David said, I will see. I will see the goodness of the Lord. Not, well, I just won't talk about it. I'm not just going to write it in my journal. I'm not going to just, I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When I'm faced with hardship, I will see. When you're laying in the bed discouraged and depressed, when you're laying in the bed and the waves and the, uh, of torment and grief overwhelm you, when addiction overtakes you, when you feel like no one knows or understands and no one can seem to help you, I believe that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. You might just have a mustard seed, a belief, just a little bit of belief in the middle of your anxiety, in the middle of your depression, in the middle of your fear and your work. But just a little bit, just a dab, just a touch, just a mustard seed, a belief. You'll speak to that mountain and say, be cast into the sea. I don't have to keep working. I don't have to keep striving. I don't have to try to keep going around this depression. Jesus, I, I wish somebody would help me. Good God, this morning, I'm preaching a lot better than you're shouting. God wants to deliver you out of your grief and bring you into the land of the living, my God. The woman was laid up in her bed. You might be here this morning saying, Pastor, I'm having a hard time shouting because I'm like the woman in the bed. I don't have any strength. I feel discouraged. I feel depressed. I feel alone. Everybody's gone on about their business. I feel this woman this morning, and I'm having a hard time shouting. That's okay. Shout anyway. You may not feel like it, but go ahead. You might just muster a little hallelujah, but just do it anyway. What do you believe this morning? Put voice to what you believe. Put voice to what you believe. Tell somebody, say, put voice to what you believe. If you're going to social media something, that would be a good thing to say. Get off all the rant and say, put voice to what you believe. I believe that my God is able. I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel unmotivated in the things of the Lord. Spiritual sickness has sat in upon your soul. Maybe, maybe there's a fever run amok in your spiritual life. Maybe there's a, a fever of infection, sin, and, and a spiritual infection of sinfulness has infected your body. And you feel the effects of that. You feel the weight of that sin. And you feel unmotivated in the things of the Lord. You, you, you don't feel like going to church. Maybe you're online today and you just chose not to come to church today 
because spiritual sickness has set in upon your soul. Maybe the effects of culture and society are weighing on you. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel the heat, you feel the effects of all that's happening in the culture around us. But there's a spiritual fever that's broken in upon you. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's, a, there's a fever that's broken in on you and in the middle of your soul because of life and the weight of sin. Maybe it's not even your sin. Maybe it's the sin of someone else. Hello. Maybe it's the sin of someone else. Maybe it's an offense. Maybe you have an offense with someone today. Maybe, I'm not going to look at anybody. Maybe you have an offense somewhere lingering on the inside of your soul and there's a fever that's broken out. There's a root of offense, a, a fever that's broken out. I didn't mean to offend you. You didn't have to leave. Maybe there's a root of offense that's broken out in your soul. Maybe, maybe it's the sin of somebody else. We live in a culture that is that that feasts on the sins. Feast on sins. We live in a culture that we're surrounded by depravity of humanity. Maybe it's not. Maybe you're here this morning and you feel the heat and the effects of sin all around you. The sin world, the carnal world, and, the, and there's a, you take your temperature this morning and there's a fever rising in your soul. That's okay. Jesus is here this morning and he can remove the effects of, of sin in your life. He can, he can deal with those skeletons that are lurking in the closet that haunt your mind and torment your soul. Jesus can come to your bedside today as you find yourself emaciated and weak as a result of the sin-sick soul within you. Jesus can walk into your room today, take you by the hand and pull you up out of your sin sickness. Jesus can take you by the hand today and pull you up out of the sinfulness and the effects of the carnal world around us. Acts 3.19 says, repent, that seasons of refreshing might come. When you repent and turn to the Lord, His presence comes and brings seasons of refreshing, seasons of restoration. It's, the word there is recovery. Recovery from the effects of the heat. He wants to bring seasons of refreshing, seasons from the recovery of the effects of your fever, the effects from the sinfulness of the heat of sinfulness on your life. But if you're going to lay anywhere, if you're going to lay anywhere, if you're going to find yourself sick in bed, depressed, discouraged, whatever the case may be, lay where Christ is. If you're going to lay anywhere, find yourself laying in his presence. Lay where Jesus is. It's always good to be in the house where Jesus is. We talk about all the time to put yourself on the path of allurement. Lay yourself strategically where Jesus is walking, where Jesus is. The blind beggar found himself laying.
laying in the path of Jesus and a miracle happened in his life. His sight was restored. The woman with the issue of blood put herself in the path where Jesus was and her body. She had spent all that she had. She had wasted money, 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 time, time and time. Time and a time again she heard how she wasn't going to get better. But when she laid herself at the feet of Jesus, when she pressed in to the feet of Jesus and grabbed hold of the hem of his garment, everything changed. you got to lay yourself, put yourself on the path where Jesus is. You may not feel like it. You may not feel like worshiping. You may not feel like praying. You may not feel like reading the word. But if you could just get to the path where Jesus is moving, something will happen. I think of my friend Charles in the back, and he placed himself in the path where Jesus was moving. He was sick in a hospital bed. He was dealing with all of the issues of life. But didn't feel like reading the Word. Didn't feel like worship. Didn't even know what it was to read the Word. Didn't even know what it was to turn on worship. But somebody turned on the live stream and said, you're going to watch Pastor Zach preach. You may not feel like it, but you're going to watch. You're going to watch the preaching of the Word. Put yourself in the path of allurement. And that night, Charles gave his life to Christ. Has never been the same since. You, listen, it might just be a simple act. Just put yourself where Jesus is moving and miracles will happen. Yeah, yeah. Mother-in-law had no idea what was getting ready to happen to her. She just happened to be in the building where Jesus was. You might be here this morning and have no idea what's getting ready to happen to you. But Jesus is in the room. You may be here this morning and just by simple osmosis of being in his presence. That's a real thing. If you, you, you can't help but just get in the building where his presence is and it will affect you. Story after story after story of people who've just sat in our building who've said there is something tangible in the atmosphere in this room. There's something real in this building. I feel the love of God. It's not just people being kind. I feel something in the room. I feel something in this building. It's called the presence of the Lord. And just by sitting here, just by being here, very osmosis, tangible touch of God on your life will begin to impact you and do something supernatural. You didn't even know that was possible. We've had people driving by the building and pulling the building and say, I have no idea why I'm here. I was driving by and all of a sudden I had no control over my car and I ended up inside your church. <laughs> Welcome to Jesus. Let me introduce you. You have no idea, but you're in his presence. Jesus has come near to you today. You might be here in the building or watching online and say, but, but what about my sin? What about my issue? Jesus would be repelled by me if he really knew. If Jesus really knew what was happening on the inside of me, if Jesus really knew who I really was, can I tell you something? He does know. He's fully aware. And he gave his life as a ransom for you anyway. 
He came while you were still his enemy. While you were afar off, he came running after you. Remember the woman who washed the feet of Jesus. She was a sinner and she came and she poured out her tears on the feet of Jesus. She was a woman of the night, shall we say. And, and everyone around Jesus was ridicule, ridiculing him for allowing this sinful woman to touch him. If, if he only knew, Jesus fully knows who you are. He fully knows your story. He knows the hidden recessed areas of your life that you don't want anyone else to know. But he knows. And even when they're fully exposed, like the sinner on the cross, even when they're fully exposed, he'll still look at you and say, you'll, today you'll be with me in paradise. Even, even when they're hidden, when nobody else knows or when they're fully exposed and the whole world knows, he still loves you, he still cares for you, he's still drawing you in, he still wants to heal you, he still wants to restore you. He's the chief man among men. He's the Lord of all lords. He's the king of kings. And yet the children can come and dance at his feet. He's the king of kings and the creator of the universe. And yet the children can still come. He still bids the children to come into his presence. If he bids the children, surely he still bids you to come into his presence. The noble can come and bow. The kings can come and bow. The angels can sing. The trees can wave. The birds can sing. And surely you can come into his presence because he's made a way for you. Isaiah 55 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he's near. He's here. He's near. He's walked into the room. Today is the day of salvation. This is the hour of your deliverance. Don't put off. Don't wait. Don't say, oh, but another day I'll get my freedom. Oh, but another day I'll get my healing. Oh, but another day I'll be restored. Oh, but another day. Today is your day. Did you hear what I said? Today is your day. I believe I'll see the goodness of the Lord. Today is your day. Seek the Lord while he's near. He's walking by. Jesus was in Peter's house for that moment. The crowds came out to see the healer in that moment. It was just a few hours later that Jesus left the house and went on to other towns. It was just a few hours later that, that he made the decision to go on. The disciples said, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Everybody, there's still people who need a healing. There's still people who want to hear your teaching. There's still things to be done. And Jesus said, no, it's time to go on to the next town. It's time to go on and preach to the next place. Today is the day of your visitation. Don't miss the hour when Jesus has drawn near and he's drawn you and he's compelled you and he's wooed you in. In, in Genesis, God says, how long will I strive with men? Today is the day. Don't miss your hour. He has the power to raise you up. 
He has the power to lift you up just like he took this woman by her hand. He took Peter's mother-in-law by the hand and lifted her up out of her infirmity. He didn't just speak to her and say, go your way. He took her and lifted her up out of her bed. He's speaking over you today. He wants to take you by your hand today. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm an ever-present help in a time of trouble. I'm the anchor of your soul. I'll just reach out and take the hand of Jesus today. I want to tell you, reach out and take the hand of Jesus today. You, you can just lay yourself at his feet and take hold of his hand. Just reach out and take hold of his hand. And when you do, there'll be an anointing that surges through your body. There'll be a power that resurrects your soul. There'll be something that floods your very being that will cause you to get up out of that bed and begin to serve and wait on others and to begin to pour out something that you've received. There's something tangible that God wants to pour out on the inside of you today. So reach out and take hold of his hand. Just reach out, lay at his feet today and just take hold of his hand. What's what, when people say, well, why do people fall out under the power? Why does all that happen? Why, why do people lay on the floor? Why? Because they're laying under the power. They're laying where Jesus is. You may not understand it, but they're laying where Jesus is and supernatural power is flowing into their being. Very simply, people can't stand up. <laughs> I'm going to preach myself happy today. I'm, uh, I took hold of the hand of Jesus. and uh, whoo. <laughs> Take hold of his hand. <laughs> I promise you. <laughs> whoo. Take, you'll see the nail prints in his hand. <laughs> if you'll just reach out, he's, he's walking by you today. And the, 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 the nails that bought and purchased your salvation, the nails that paid for your peace, the nails that paid for resurrection life to flow in your body, nails that paid for the temple, the, the, the temple veil to be torn so that you could have access into his presence. You'll see the handprint. You'll see the nail print in his hand. You'll see it, and you'll see resurrection life come into your body. It paid for you. Yeah. <laughs> Woo, take hold of Jesus' hand. Yeah, the, those hands that took hold of Peter's mother-in-law are different today. Think about that. The mother-in-law saw hands that were whole. The mother-in-law saw hands that didn't have nail, nail scars, and they were able to heal. But you and I today see hands. Those hands are different today. Those hands are scarred for you today. There's marks in those hands today for you and for me. They're a promise of all that God has given to you and I. All the things that I have access to. He has power. So tell somebody next to you, he's got power. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. If you're tossing and turning in your bed, he will give you. I said, if you're tossing and turning in your bed, he will give you. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast, throw, put it all. 
your anxiety on him. Why are you carrying something he's paid for? Cast it all on him. I believe. I believe. I believe. <laughs> I believe. He, he's able. Some of you are getting this. The light bulb's coming on. Praise the Lord Jesus. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, He said to me, My grace... My grace is sufficient. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Anybody got any weakness this morning? Laying in your bed, prostrate before the Lord, weakness. My grace is sufficient. My grace is sufficient. Laid before the Lord, weakness, depressed, discouraged, the effects of sin on your life. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. His power is for you today. Tell somebody next to you, say, his power. Come on, everybody do this. Say, his power is for you. His power is for you. They could have said, well, his power was for the demon possessed. His power was for the church. His power was to be displayed in the synagogue. It's the Sabbath. We shouldn't heal on the Sabbath. All the reasons, all the excuses. But his power was made available for the sick that day. His power and his resurrection life was made available for the whole city, for the sick, for the demon possessed, and Peter's mother-in-law. It was He was available, he was accessible, and his power is still available to you and I. His power is able to raise you from your weakness and from your weariness. If you're weary today, if you're downcast, if your soul is downcast today, His power can raise you up out of your weariness and out of your downcastness. You don't have to be downcast anymore. He wants to resurrect you and raise you up. His power can raise you up out of your sinfulness. If there is a sin that so easily ensnares you, if there is a weight that is weighing you down, His power can liberate you today. Power to cast off. Power to press in. Power to seek Him. Just lay where He is. Lay yourself at the feet of Jesus. Lay yourself at His feet. Find yourself at the feet of Jesus in the path of allurement where he's at. And I promise miracles still happen. But you got to take him by his hand. When he extends his hand, he'll come up to your bed. Today, Jesus is walking up to your bedside. He's walking up beside you in your life and your circumstance. And you, he's extending his hand to you for you to get up and to walk. But you got to take hold of his hand. You got to take hold of that nail print hand. Grab hold of it and don't let go. Let him pull you up out of your mouth. You know, so many people try to find, I need to figure out how to walk in freedom. I need to figure out how to be free, how to break through, how to do this, how to do that, how to be that, how to be. Take hold of Jesus' hand. 
take hold of Jesus' hand. That's how you do it. It's how you do it. Can you hear me? It's how you do it. Stop striving. Stop trying to fix it. Stop trying to do it on your own. And take hold of his hand. My God, grab hold. And he'll set you free. He'll set you free. He'll set you free. And then this woman, <laughs> she does, she does what she knows to do. She does what she knows to do. She does what she knows to do. She got healed. Immediately, strength returned to her body. And what does the Bible say she did? She served them. She got up out of bed. She wasn't responsible to serve them. She was not the woman of the house. Peter was married. She was not responsible for serving them. Even in the custom. She was not, that was not her responsibility. She offered. Of course, she was there. But she did what she knew to do. She took what she had and she gave. The overflow of Christ's miracle working power in your life is then doing what you know to do. Now this is a whole nother part B sermon, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pause and just highlight. Can I give you high level? Do what you know to do. When Jesus walks in your room, heals your life, you take hold of his hand and he changes you, resurrects you, gives you new life, strengthens you, then do what you know to do. Begin to serve the Lord with gladness. Let the overflow of the abundance of what Christ has done in your life begin to pour out in service. It's worship to the Lord. You begin to serve Him and worship Him and do what you know to do. That means go to church, read your Bible, pray, pray in the Spirit, do the things, give, do what you know. Are you, are you with me? You say, well, I, I, I got that. I do that for a little bit, and then, then I find myself depressed and discouraged again. Here's what you do. Don't let go of his hand. Keep finding yourself in a place of receiving. Keep finding, keep soaking, keep drinking, keep saturating in his presence. Keep Keep yourself in his presence. He's still in the house. He never left. Come on now. But then do what you know to do. Steward what he's given you. How foolish it would have been for Peter's mother-in-law to have been totally healed, resurrected life, and she would have done this. Thanks, Jesus. But how many Christians do that? I went to church on Sunday and I got a resurrection touch. Man, God hit me on that. I fell on that floor. It felt so good. I had goosebumps all over. Hallelujah. I got up shouting. Glory. I was dancing, doing all the things. <laughs> and then what'd you look like on Monday, Tuesday? When, were you still shouting on Wednesday? 
Don't shout me down when I'm telling you the truth. Were you still shouting on Thursday? When Friday rolled around, did you write out your tithe check? You got quiet on me up in here because you knew Sunday was coming. Do what you know to do. She got up and served. And let me tell you what happens. Let me tell you what happens when you know what to do and you do it. Just keep walking on this story with me. What happened at nighttime? The Bible says that the crowd, the whole city, came, stood outside Peter's house. Right? They all needed a healing. And I, I, I just have to suppose that mother-in-law wasn't laying in the bed from exhaustion. Mother-in-law wasn't laying in the bed with a fever anymore. She'd been healed. Peter's mother-in-law was right out in the mix of the crowd saying, Jesus, we got another demon right here. Can you deal with this one? Come on, son. Get up here. Jesus is going to deal with you. Get over here. Doing what any good mother-in-law will do. She's just going to go right on over and say, come on, devil. We're going to deal with this. You're going to get up here. Right? Go sit. Any good mother-in-law. She was right in the middle of all the miracles. Now, when you get up and serve and do what you know to do, you're going to find yourself right in the middle of more miracles with Jesus. When you do what you know that you need to do, after resurrection life is flowing in your being and God is changing and transforming your life, you get up, do what you know that you're supposed to do, and you'll find yourself just happens, just happens by divine appointment that you'll find yourself right in the middle of miracles and other people's lives being changed and transformed. What a testimony. What a testimony. I was in bed with a fever, and now, within just a matter of hours, I'm out serving the crowds with Jesus that have come for healing and miracles. What a testimony that she was laying sick, dying with a great fever, and Jesus healed her, and within a matter of hours, she was out working the crusade with Jesus. The crowds had gathered at the front door, and she was on the prayer team. She had her, she had her cover blankets. She was going through. She was ready to roll. She was like, where are they at, Jesus? I'm going to cover them up. I'm gonna, I'll, just do, I'll just do something. Let me serve, Jesus. Let me just serve. Let me just help, Jesus. Somebody looking, is there somebody down there? No, there ain't nobody down there. There will be, in just a moment, there will be. <laughs> Jesus, why don't you stand with me?